You are listening to Troubadours and Tours with E.W. Conundrum Demure on Radio Free Brooklyn. Welcome to episode 325 of Troubadours and Tours with yours truly, E.W. Conundrum Demure. On this week's program, we have a special treat, an old-timer. He's been on this program since its earliest days. We haven't heard from him in a while, and I'm really excited to bring him back. Bruno Milo. Yes, he's in the soup. And we'll be talking with Bruno about an iconic, sort of infamous figure for some of us here in uh, the northeastern part of Pennsylvania. And I think, unfortunately, you will find him familiar. You probably have one of these guys in your neck of the woods, too. We talk about hate speech and the right to offend people, about giving people the benefit of the doubt, pent-up rage, Trump and Biden, which of those two is really stupid, baseball as an analogy to American life, and news on TV as compared to news in print, which is better, which is less biased. All of this and much, much more with regular contributor Bruno Milo. We also have an EWSA titled Peace, Peace, and an excerpt from an essay on baseball by Jacques Barzun, as read by our associate producer, Dr. Michael Pavis. And we have a poem called Speech. And all of this, as is always the case, is imbued with the energy of several great tunes. So nice to have you with us. Let's get to it. Episode 325 of Troubadours and Rock-On Tours. Thank you. 
Peace, peace. Thanks, Bill. As the early summer breeze, coupled with a beautiful yellow sunshine, transparently fills up these four-plus dimensions in which I reside, I hear somewhere in the distance a multiple sneeze. My foolish pride and overly civilized day-to-day pulls me away, and off errantly I ride. My soul and mind will again divide, leaving me being discombobulated and ill-informed. As I behave more and more like a drone, though I love so deeply and cry sometimes so easily, I too am preoccupied cold, and though young at heart feel old, bought, and sold, though with an experienced soul I act as if I never left this fish bowl. The world is simply profound and incredible in its layer upon layer, nuances organized and random, as if I could tell one from the other. I am quite surprised that I have become able enough to garner enough understanding and ability to communicate with these symbols I am scribbling and subsequently reading into this recording equipment, ultimately uploaded into the ether so that people, someone, will hear it. Or maybe these moments as I write and read are the final ones for this piece. I hope it finds itself to be a peace piece. Summertime and the living is easy.
Hello. Is this Bruno Milo? It is, E.W. Oh, man, it is so nice to hear your voice again on Troubadours and Rock On Tours. Yeah, thanks for having me, man. Yeah, Bruno is one of our oldest contributors. And I don't mean like in age, but that's probably true, too. That may be true. <laughs> but he's been around since uh, the beginning of the program. He is a writer, a social critic, and a sports enthusiast, as as well as a few other things. Um, and it's it's always a pleasure talking with him. Likewise. I don't think I have to list your accomplishments. People are probably aware that I've been listening, so... Ah, yeah, you know, I once won a foosball. Plus, I don't want to. I won a foosball tournament once when I was like 15. That was a big one. Uh, yeah, I remember you broke legs for that. <laughs> well, you know, we don't want to get into that. Uh, but uh, today we want to, you and I are both from the same neck of the woods, northeastern Pennsylvania. We've known each other since we're teenagers, young teenagers. Um, and uh, so that's decades. Uh, and, uh, you know, we, we, uh, we we kind of have a, a certain culture that uh, we came up in in northeastern Pennsylvania. I guess you can say. Uh, I mean, it's, it's so, somewhat multifaceted, but there's a certain commonality uh, to it. Uh, there's good and there's bad, of course, as in any town or, or area of the world. And I wanted to share with the nation a, a, a little bit about a character. That exists that was spawned in these part in, in these parts, um, and and see you know if this character is familiar to them where they are. Uh, hopefully not, but I, I I'm scared to think that it might be. His name is Bob Bolus. He's a public figure here in northeastern Pennsylvania. He had run for mayor. Uh, he's a constant. Uh, uh, persona in in the area. He also has a dinner every year around Thanksgiving for people that have, uh, you know, no no or little means to have a dinner for themselves. So he he does some good things too. I I think you can argue. But as of late, he's been in the news around here, and he's a trumper. He's a big trumper. Why don't you share with the folks what you know of how you uh, would describe Bob Bolas? Well, I think Bob Bolas is kind of a mini version of a Donald Trump in a way, in a strange way, I guess. I think that uh, he's someone who craves attention, looks for it, does things that are outlandish at times, so people will be drawn to his activities. Uh, so, I mean, he tries to be a bigger-than-life uh, character. I guess you could say he's a fly in the ointment. I was wondering if he would uh, fit the definition, at least around here, of rock and, rock and contour, uh, one of the de- one of your titles, so I don't know if he would or not. But a rock and tour, you think Bob Bolas is a rock and yeah. tour? In I, his own way, I think he is. Well, wh- how would you define rock and tour? Someone who is uh, of means, who's able to use that a philanthropist in ways, a uh, man of the community, flamboyant, um, someone who's a personality who tries to, uh, I guess, uh, have his own do influence on a scene, I guess, if that's not vague enough. Oh, geez. I, all these years, I, I had a different understanding of the word. I thought it was a person who... Well, I, I, that's my own definition. So. Well, I, I thought it was a person that... No, you're probably right. I thought it was a person that owned a restaurant. No, that's a restaurant tour. Oh, man. So, you know, 
Oh. I get it. <laughs> Jeez. All these folks, I've been misleading them. Really, I keep calling these folks, you know, that own restaurants and asking them to be on the show, and they think I'm strange. That doesn't make sense, you know. But to get any free meals. Right. That's it. Just to get the free meals. So he might be a rock on tour. Just kidding. I'm sure you you figure that out. Um, and uh, either either way, though, he's not a good one. I mean, he's not a good guy, I should say. I don't think he's a, Do you like him? Uh, I have mixed feelings about Bob Boris. Uh, he's changed, I think, over the years in a way. He, uh, like he's I probably said, in I his think 70s he's now. Who, he's in his 70s, I would say, right? <laughs> I guess so. And he, I think he's a contrarian. If you tell him one thing, he's just going to say the other just to, just to say it. And uh, like I said, I think he's changed in a way. I think in the 80s, whenever he ran for mayor, he was a Democrat. I could be wrong about that, but I think he was. And so it may not be him. He would say, I haven't changed, but the times have, maybe. I know someone else who says that, and uh, I don't know. I mean, well, as of Bob l- is, uh, as of late, he's been in the news. He's complex. Because, he complex. You think? Okay. Uh, as as of late, he's been in the news because he's gone in front of the local city council, and he, you know, there's a, a woman who's running for city council. Uh, she won the primary, and she she has a good shot of of winning a seat in November. Who has shared uh, her sexual orientation? She's a lesbian, and this guy is going in front of the city council, the present council members, uh, yeah. chastising them for considering her and for supporting her in her run um, because it will expose the youth of our community, among other things. Uh, to that sort of mentality or quote unquote lifestyle, or uh, also it allow her to pursue a gay agenda, LGBTQI agenda, and uh, he was talking in a way, and it was televised because we have a public access channel that televises all the council meetings, and it, and, and it went crazy on the local, you know, social media. You know, people kept uh, showing the clip, and and most folks, thankfully, were appalled. And, uh, you know, he seemed to really feel so. And then he went to a subsequent meeting and, and just doubled down. And I, I just don't understand. I guess I'm bringing him up because how, how is that okay still? How does a person walk into a room that, you know, where there's a television camera and start espousing things of that, of that uh, you know, type of, of ideology? Well, I mean... There's still the right of free speech. Whether we like what Bob Bola says or not, he has the right to say it. Uh, he shouldn't be obnoxious, I suppose, in the way he presents it. I think that he, uh, we see his intolerance, his ignorance, I guess, on the issue. And uh, I mean, that may be the way I honestly feel. I think he speaks for other people when he says things like that in this area. If anyone, this is northeastern Pennsylvania. I think it's a fairly conservative area. And I think that there are more than or more than one person who feels the way Bob Bullis has expressed himself. We'll see in the general election how she does. Uh, she has my vote, so... That's Jessica Jessica it. Nolan we're talking about, right? Uh, is that her last name? Yeah. I thought it was Rothschild or something. Okay. Oh, yeah, it is. Nolan's another Jessica that's a really big advocate for progressive causes in northeastern Pennsylvania. Uh, I'm, I'm mixing all the Jessicas up. You're right. It is right. There's enough of them out there. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry, Jessica Nolan, but she's pretty cool, too. I like both of them. I'm also a supporter of Jessica Rothschild. Um, But I I bring this up again. I mean, you say there's freedom of speech. Yes. And I believe in it. 
Um, but, uh, you know, how much of a public forum should allow for, I, I say that's hate speech, what he was espousing. I mean, uh, it's intolerant. I'll say that whether he was, I don't know that he came out and, uh, said, let's go out and burn her an effigy. Let's go uh, attack her physically. I don't know that he was trying to incite violence, whether it's hate speech or not. Uh, I don't know. I said, I think it's intolerant. What is hate speech exactly? I mean, I think there's a fine line there between what someone can say. Yes, he's offending people. There's no right about it, but he has a right to offend people. He can be offensive and look like a jerk. And that's the great thing about this country. We can sit on, around and, and criticize him for it. And so I think Bob Bowles has the right to say whether we like it or not. And uh, I don't approve of what he said. That's my opinion. And that his, I don't agree with his opinion. I wouldn't agree with Bob Bowles if I saw him on the street, but I wouldn't attack him physically and be like, Bob, you intolerant bastard. I'm going to get the crap out of you. You know? Uh, Did you just cuss? So, almost. I stopped myself. Yes, don't cuss. I might have said bastard, though. I think you could say that. All right. But, but just don't say it again, just to be safe, all right? Yes, okay. I'll try. But, you, you know, it's interesting what you said. The great thing about this country is we have the right to offend people. That's true. Why is that the great thing about this country? Well, I don't know. I, because if we're all walking around being so polite to each other, I think there's some uh, there's a lack of sincerity in that. And you go home, maybe you're polite to everybody in their face, but you go home and there's these simmering hatreds that maybe boil up and and you do something drastic. And I'm not saying, but maybe that's what forces or causes people to go into bowling alleys and start blowing people away, uh, that pin-up rage. And maybe a little honesty helps. And maybe Bob Bowles was thinking, again, I mean, most, I think, if you ask people around here, most people, and even religious people, would say that's intolerant. You have to have some kind of respect for a person's views and their opinions and the way they live their life. Just because you don't agree with it doesn't make it wrong. And I think that if, I don't know Bob Bullis that well, but I think Bob Bullis does think about things. And I think if he really thought about it, he would see that it was intolerant. But uh, I'm not so sure he's being reminded of that right now by people. Maybe he's just being ultra defensive and, and uh, you know, it's nice uh, in a way that you give him room. Why do you think, why do you give him, Bob, that kind of, um, you know, room that he's a set? Because a, it's America. No, that you, you to. not that room. I mean, that you think he, he probably is a reflective person. What makes you think that? I give the people the benefit of the doubt. I think most people are, to tell you the truth. Maybe not everybody, but I think when people have a minute to sit down, I think maybe people do thinking in different places. But I think people do think about things. I do. Maybe not everyone, but I think even people who go to bowling alleys and blow people away, I think I've thought about it. Why do you keep going to the bowling alleys? That happened recently? I don't know. No, it's just an example. It's my uh, universal expression of where that kind of thing happens. It could happen anywhere. It could be schoolyard or whatever, but it's my universal way of saying bowling alley stands for everywhere it could happen. So, yeah, it it so if if people were more comfortable and more open with their thoughts, sharing them, uh, there might not be so much uh, crazy detrimental behavior, violence in in society. Is what you're saying? There's no, well, I don't know. There's no way to really know. 
but you would think, and I don't know. I'm just saying that that's my theory. That's one reason why people do things like that is they, there is a pent up rage there and they have no other way to express it. So that's what they do because they're nuts as well. Well, I just saw a story today just a little while ago um, about uh, Joe Biden making comments of how back in the 70s, how he worked with segregationists from the South. He didn't have any, he said he didn't agree with them on anything, but he didn't look at them as the enemy and he worked with them and they got things done. And today people aren't doing that. They look at the people on the opposite uh, end of an issue, opposite side of an issue as their enemy and they don't try to work together. And he's getting a lot of flack for that because he's make, he's, he's humanizing, I guess, or, or, or giving, uh, you know, some sort of credit to the segregationists who, you know, had terrible ideas and hating them for sure. What do you think of that? Do you think he, Biden's off the mark in, or is he saying something that falls in line with what you're you're trying to communicate? I think it's more of the latter. I think that I know what Joe Biden was at least trying to say. I don't maybe he didn't say it as well as he should have, but he was just trying to say that he could work with anyone, I think, and that he was able to reach across the aisle and he doesn't view people as enemies necessarily. Maybe he doesn't agree with any uh, the views of the men that were mentioned, uh, but he could work with them because he was a professional and it was about doing your job and it was about uh, passing legislation, whether you agreed or not, and hammering stuff out and, uh, you know, making deals and making backroom deals and drinking whiskey. So, I mean, I think Joe Biden is an old-fashioned politician in a way. And uh, so his idea is to reach across the aisle and try and be friends with people other may view as despicable. And his views are being construed as, well, he's he's racist too. Uh, so I, do I think it's unfair in a way? Do I think Joe Biden got himself into it? Yes. Once again, I think it'll be interesting if Joe Biden and Donald Trump run against each other next November because who's going to say the most stupid things will be very interesting. I just think it will. So, uh, I personally, I, I, I think Joe Biden is, is not stupid at all. Uh, and I think Donald Trump is indeed stupid. Uh, I think Joe Biden sometimes says things that maybe he shouldn't, but... I think there's a big difference between that and being stupid. I think he's proven himself to be quite intelligent. Where Trump, I, I haven't seen any proof that he's intelligent. I really haven't. I mean, he, I guess he does have some sort of intelligence to manipulate people. Or, you know, I guess that's the sort of intelligence, but it's negatively used for sure, and it's a low-level intelligence, I, I, would, I would say. Do you, I mean, do you think they're of equal intelligence or even close? Well, I didn't mean that Joe Biden was stupid. I, he does say stupid things, though, and he does sometimes do dumb things. Uh, that doesn't make him stupid. It just makes him whatever he is, a quirk in his personality, I guess. Maybe he's a little too personable, or he's a little too loose at the lips sometimes. He gets too relaxed for whatever reason. But uh, Joe Biden does do uh, things that are going to get him in trouble and cause controversy like he did today, or whenever he said these things about the, the working with, in Congress. So do I think he's smarter than Donald Trump? Uh, maybe, probably, I guess. Do I think Donald Trump has his own form of intelligence? I do. And I don't like Donald Trump at all, but he has done something and been able to, like you said, manipulate people. Uh, Where brilliantly wouldn't be uh, overstating it in my way, in my view. So you think in some ways Donald Trump is, bu is brilliant? 
in a way, yeah. If it, this was actually a plan of what he's done, yeah, it is kind of brilliant in his own way, yeah. Yeah, I guess. I guess so. Ladies and gentlemen, we're talking to Bruno Milo, a regular contributor on the program, writer, social critic, sports enthusiast. And um, we're talking about, I guess, freedom of speech. Uh, we're talking about what is hate speech. We're talking also about old school politics and intelligence of Donald Trump giving people the benefit of the doubt, pent up rage. Uh, yeah, it's a good stuff, as always, with Bruno Milo. In the Soup, he likes to call this segment. It's a great title. You are listening to Troubadours and Tours with E.W. Conundrum Demure on Radio Free Brooklyn. With Bruno Milo. How about baseball? Let's talk a little bit about baseball. Let's get off politics and, and all this other uh, stuff. Baseball as an analogy to the American, I guess, way or American life. Can can you connect the two? I think you can in a way, even today. I think that baseball is going through something right now that's a little bit strange, and it may be a transition in the game. Uh, there's home more home runs being hit. There's more strikeouts. Last season, there were more strikeouts than uh, base hits, and that was the first time that's ever happened. Wow. And it looks like it's going to happen again this year, only by a wider margin. And so players are playing a different game now, and uh, at least they are for the time being. There's different theories as to why. There's one that I have embraced kind of lately, and that there's something different about the baseball. And uh, we'll see. I don't know. But at some time, I think all these home runs are going to end, that things are going to change, the players will adapt, and uh, the game will go on. I do think that. Uh, whether, whether it will go on successfully or not, we'll see. Uh and America, I think America is going through or has gone through some kind of transition itself to a different kind of political world. And a lot of people say, well, maybe it started when the Clintons came on the scene. Maybe it did. But I think it's intensified. And I think most people would agree with that in the last few years with Donald Trump's emergence. So, I mean, uh, so I think there is an analogy to be made there. And uh, it's a good one. And I think it is America's game. Football may be more popular. But I think baseball is the heart of America. So, baseball is the heart of America. I think so. Uh -huh. It may be dying. I think it's getting older. But I think it is the heart. I think it's kind of the soul of America. So, uh, how do you see it that way? Like just because it's been around for such a long it's been around time, around so long, it's bo it's beloved. The people who follow it, uh, you don't just follow baseball. You kind of fall in love with it. It doesn't. If you really like baseball, it's not a part time. Thing. It's an it's a everyday kind of obsession. So I'm watching baseball right now. Um, to tell you the truth, I watch baseball most nights. Yeah, and, uh, I know you people do. People like me, uh, and there's other people like me that love the game. And I think, in a way, there are people, in a way, you could say that's like the people who get up every day and do their jobs, like it or not, but they go out there and do them. Keep driving America the way it's driven and, and the way they push forward with innovation and hard work and sweat and toil and America resolve. I think that uh, it is America. I do, and maybe that's corny. It probably is saying the word corny can be corny. So, <laughs> but I love baseball and I love America. <laughs> An apple despite pie. It's become. That's <laughs> right. Despite what it's become, what what has it become? It's become a kind of cesspool in a way. It's become so ugly. At least the politics, which I love to follow, 
very disheartening in a way. And the media, and I'm sorry to say it, most of the coverage is, I hate to, I hate to say it, it's bias. Really? Like the, the mainstream media? Or... For the most part. I'm not, not, I don't believe that the newspapers are biased. But television, yes. So the television that I watch, absolutely. So you're talking like an MSNBC as compared to a Fox, yes. or are you talking about also CNN? No, Fox is true. Fox is just as biased. Uh, but I'm just saying that it's all changed. There's, you can watch one channel and get one set of news and watch another one now and get another set. And that's, and that's weird. That never, I do grow up that way. You got the same news every night on the same channel. And some people might say that's a, a bad thing. I would say at least it was consistent. We kind of knew that maybe this was the truth. And if you're getting one set of news on one channel or one set of facts and they tell you this and people believe that, but you change the channel to a different news station and they tell you something entirely different. Uh, at least I would be confused by that. Be confused. So I don't know if other people are, but to me, that's disheartening that you can have networks like that, which are supposedly the media telling the truth. There can't be two set two two sides to the truth. No, so it must it's be weird. it it's must weird. be opinion, right? It is, yes, absolutely. That's what it's become. But in the so you're saying in the past when you had the three networks basically, uh, CBS, NBC, CBS, ABC, and NBC, they were being as objective as we could expect uh, when when sharing news, and now that is not the case. It's less objective. I don't think so. I think it has become. I think it's become definitely uh, subjective. Yes, for most, not all. I don't watch all networks, so I don't know. What drives MSNBC, that? Uh, hatred, I think. They really dislike this president. I watch a show called Morning Joe every morning, and it's, it's visceral, the dislike of Donald Trump. And it's, uh, it's kind of annoying. It's become annoying. I only watch it out of habit now. It used to be, in my opinion, one of the better shows and maybe the best show on TV, definitely for a while. But since Trump's become president, they are so it's not even, they don't even try and hide it. And, well, and, what, uh, and that that's on uh, was MSNBC. Is that? Yeah. Yes, and then, and then you go to Fox, you're going to see the opposite, right? They love Absolutely. it. Absolutely. Yes. It's yes. Yes, you do. And I change back and forth in the morning and that's exactly what you get. And it's like, what world am I living in? Well, what about if you go to like CNN or ABC or something? See, I don't watch a lot of CNN. I don't watch a lot of it. I don't know, but I've been told, I'm told repeatedly that CNN is just as bad, if not worse, than MSNBC. And the other networks, I don't know. I kind of like CBS, but I like uh, the Sunday morning show, Sunday this morning or whatever it's called. Yeah, it's been yeah. on for years. Yeah, I used to I be with Charles too, Corral. One of the best shows on TV. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's more of like a news magazine almost. Um, yeah, it is. Yeah, I, well, I think you are doing it to yourself in a way. You are watching the most. I mean, MSNBC. I think they would say they're liberal, and Fox Absolutely. would say that they're conservative. They they don't hide it. And you're going back and forth to those two channels, those two extremes, and of course you're going to get different perspectives. Maybe, and I don't know. I don't watch a lot of TV news. I really don't. I don't watch CBS either. Maybe, but maybe CBS or CNN. Maybe they're more in the middle. I tend to believe, for whatever reason, that CNN is more in the middle. You know, they're they're more objective than an, than a Fox or a MS, MSNBC. Um, but uh, you know, for me, it's best to get your news through print. 
You know, it really is to me. Magazines and newspapers and a bunch of them. And then you sift through everything. And, you know, of course, you could argue the New York Times is going to be liberal and you go to the Wall Street Journal, it's going to be conservative. And then you have different magazines, of course, as well that are that way. The National Review as compared to the New Republic or the Nation or uh, the Progressive, Mother Jones. You can tell I know the Progressive ones more so. Um, But still, there's just more there and you can sift through it and, and compare and spend more time rather than just watching Talking Heads. Well, I do. I've been reading for years. I read the paper every day. I read various papers. I don't feel like I have to defend myself about what I read. No, I wasn't saying you. I read often. I I know. uh, I I wasn't saying you, you. I was saying the collective you. Well, I'm defending us. There may be more people. I know the other day I was in the library with Sarah Palin, and she's like, give me that Mother Jones magazine. (laughs) Are you dating her again? It's an off and on thing, right? Well, she's kind of obsessed with me, so. (laughs) Well, you are a good-looking guy. And you're, you're charming, and you're charming. Uh, Bruno Milo on the program. So, Bruno, we have several minutes left. What are you hoping to, um, to do this summer? What are you hoping to see this summer occur, maybe, generally speaking? Uh, that's an interesting question. I don't know if I can answer it. I don't know. I, I don't think that far ahead, to tell you the truth. What am I looking forward to this summer? Uh, well, this is going to sound weird, but I'm looking forward to stop raining. I'd like to go. I'm looking forward to a drought. I'd like to go three or four weeks without any rain this summer. Uh, it's rained a lot. I feel like it's been raining since last Christ, last winter. So, um, yeah, I'd like to see three or four weeks in a row without rain. That would be fun for me. I would also like to do some traveling. We'll see. I'm definitely going to try and hit New York City. I love it there, and it's beautiful in the summer. The smell of the garbage in the morning really gets your day started. So, <laughs> But you do love New York, for real. I do. I love New York City. Yeah. So I hope too. you'll be going. Me too. Are you go- where are you going to go? Manhattan? Brooklyn? Absolutely, yes. Maybe both. I'm going to get me one of those bicycles. Oh, excellent. The, the, one of the uh, city-owned bicycles? You kind of put a coin in, and you can take it for a while and then yeah. drop it I off? I think it's a coin you have to swipe your your card. Swipe your card, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, you know, we air on Radio Free Brooklyn, and uh, right in Bushwick. So, yeah, another shout out. Look out, Brooklyn! I'm coming. <laughs> Look out, Mr. So and So's. He's coming on his on his publicly funded bicycle. That's right. I'll be the one on the bike. Go go to go down to to Bogart Street and look for Radio Free Brooklyn. Knock on the door. Tell them you're part of Troubadours and Rock On Tours, and. Uh, you know, they might give you a glass of water or something, or some vodka. All right. I'm not drinking any vodka when I'm riding my bike, though. I don't have to drink vodka when I'm thirsty. <laughs> that's, yeah, that's a good rule, generally speaking. Um, and and uh, who do you predict is going to uh, make it into the AL and the NL championship series this year? Early prediction. It's so hard to predict baseball. Um Right now, I don't know. I mean, you know who my favorite team is. They're not playing so well right now, the Boston Red Sox. But they're in the hunt. Who do I think will win the World the American League? Houston. I'm going to say the Houston Astros. The National League? That's a tougher one. I'm going to say Atlanta, believe it or not. And maybe they not have the pitching. Maybe the Phillies. The cool. Phillies or Atlanta. Excellent. Everyone's going to say, everyone else is going to say the Dodgers. But not you. 
Nope, I'm going with the underdog. You always do. I got to go with one underdog. So I'm going to take the Phils. I'm watching them right now, though. Yeah, I was watching it before I called you. I'm going to go back to watching it. Thank you so much, Bruno Milo, for taking time out once again to be on Troubadours and Rock on Tours. It's a pleasure having you on. Thank you, sir. Anytime you need me. We'll see you soon. All right. Stay in touch. Later days. Later days. <laughs> Possums blooming, heads all empty and I don't care So my baby down by the river Knew she'd have to come up soon for air Sweet blossom, come on, under the willow We can have high times if you look back We can discover the wonders of nature Growing in the rushes down by the riverside She's got everything we like for She's got everything I need Takes the wheel when I'm seeing double Pays my ticket when I speak Skimming to raise a father She can wait in the drop of dew She don't come and I don't follow Waits backstage while I sing to you But she can dance a cage and a rhythm Jump like a widow's in four-wheel drive She's a summer love in the spring, fall, and winter She can make happy any man alive Sugar magnolia, ringing that bluebird, caught up in sunlight, going out singing, I walk in the sunshine. Come on, honey, come along with me. She's got everything delightful. She's got everything I need. A breeze in the pines in the summer night, moonlight, crazy in the sunlight, yes indeed. Sometimes when the cuckoo's crying, when the moon is halfway down, sometimes when the night is dying, I take me out and I wander around. On Baseball by Jacques Barzun, an excerpt from an essay in the collection God's Country and Mine, a Declaration of Love, 
spiced with a few harsh words. Published in 1954. People who care less for gentility manage things better. They don't bother to leave the arid city, but spend their surplus there on pastimes they can enjoy without feeling cramped. They follow boxing and wrestling, burlesque and vaudeville when available, professional football and hockey. Above all, they thrill in unison with their fellow man the country over by watching baseball. The gods decree a heavyweight match only once in a while and a national election only every four years, but there is a world series with every revolution of the earth around the sun, and in between, what varied pleasure long drawn out. Whoever wants to know the heart and mind of America had better learn baseball, the rules and realities of the game, and do it by watching first some high school or small town teams. The big league games are too fast for the beginner, and the newspapers don't help. To read them with profit, you have to know a language that comes easy only after philosophy has taught you to judge practice. Here is scholarship that takes effort on the part of the outsider, but it is so bred into the native that it never becomes a dreary round of technicalities. The wonderful purging of the passions that we all experienced in the fall of 51, the despair groaned out over the fate of the Dodgers, from whom the league pennant was snatched at the last minute, give us some idea of what Greek tragedy was like. Baseball is Greek in being national, heroic, and broken up in the rivalries of city-states. How sad that Europe knows nothing like it. Its Olympics generate anger, not unity, and its interstate politics follow no rules that a people can grasp. At least Americans understand baseball, the true realm of clear ideas. That baseball fitly expresses the powers of the nation's mind and body is a merit separate from the glory of being the most active, agile, varied, articulate, and brainy of all group games. It is of and for our century. Tennis belongs to the individualistic past, a hero, or at most a pair of friends or lovers against the world. The idea of baseball as a team, an outfit, a section, a gang, a union, a cell, a commando squad. In short, a 20th century setup of opposite numbers. Happy the man in the bleachers. He is enjoying the spectacle that the gods on Olympus contrived only with difficulty when they sent Helen to Troy and picked their teams. And the gods missed the fun of doing this by catching a bat near the narrow end and measuring hand over hand for first pick. In Troy, New York, the game scheduled for 2 p.m. will break no bones, yet it will be a real fight between Southpaw Dick and Red Larson. For those whom civilized play doesn't satisfy, there will be provided a scapegoat in a blue suit. The umpire, yell-proof and even-handed as justice, which he demonstrates with outstretched arms when calling, safe. And the next day in the paper, 
learned comment, statistical summaries, and the verbal imagery of meta-euphoric experts. In the face of so much joy, one can only ask, were you there when Dogface Joe parked the pellet beyond the pail? Can I say anything I like? I have freedom of speech here in the U.S. Would I in Russia or Bolivia? So, a woman I dreamed of sleeping with, named Olivia, says I am sexy and debonair. And boy, can she smile and stare. Deep warm eyes with her long chestnut brown soft shiny hair. Hmm. My love, I am the speed of sound I left a motherless 
Episode 325 of Troubadours and Rock-On Tours with yours truly, E.W. Conundrum Demure. I'd like to thank those folks who made this episode possible. First and foremost, our good friend Bruno Milo, our associate producer, and another good friend. I have a lot of good friends here on Troubadours and Rock-On Tours, I'm happy to say. Dr. Michael Pavis. I'd like to thank the writer Jacques Barzon as well as these musical artists. Django Reinhardt, Stefan Grappelli, Billy Holiday, Bill Evans, The Grateful Dead, Bob Marley, Nico Case, Terrence Blanchard, and Brentford Marsalis, too. Until next week, let's give it a go and try to enjoy this one, why don't we? Thanks for listening.